Hey, everyone. It's Brittany. We're on episode 99. Welcome to the Know, Like, and Trust show with Brittany Gardner, the podcast where we explore the world of personal branding and how to build your know, like, and trust factor up for ultimate business success. And now here's your host, Brittany Gardner. Hey, everyone. I'm so excited to have Angie Trueblood on the show today. She is a podcast visibility expert. And before I get into her bio, I want to let you guys know that as a podcast host, we get pitched by guests all the time because it's a really valuable strategy, introducing yourself to new audiences, gaining visibility. And because of that, there are some not so scrupulous bots out there that do the spray and pray kind of pitch approach. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and then how we can switch that up, flip to the other side, and make it a really good experience for both parties. As a podcast visibility expert and host of the Go Pitch Yourself podcast, Angie Trueblood knows that the only perfect pitch is the one that leads with value and focuses on building a genuine connection. Whether she's teaching entrepreneurs how to pitch themselves or working behind the scenes to secure opportunities for others, Angie leverages her super connector powers to grow businesses and build long-lasting relationships. When she's not working with her clients or being active in her local community, she loves exploring Richmond, Virginia's parks and playgrounds with her two kiddos, checking out new restaurants with her hubs, and laughing about motherhood over cocktails with friends. All right, Angie, welcome to the No Like and Trust Show. Yeah, thank you for having me, Brittany. I'm excited to be here. So I'm really excited for you to share with everyone here some of the, uh, you know, ups and downs of pitching yourself on podcasts. And since you also own a podcast and I'm a host of a podcast, I think I'm safe to say that we've probably both received a fair number of pitches over the last (laughs) however long. And I know that you've been on the receiving end of some bad pitches, as have I. And personally, I'm having you on here from a very selfish point of view, because if more people like you are educating the masses, I will have to deal with less bad pitches. So so there's my point of view. But I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about how you got into this in the first place, and then we can maybe move into, you know, helping the audience craft their own pitches. Yeah. And I would also say that if your audience is tuning into this, they likely are not falling in the category of bad pitches. I mean, I feel like the people who spend the most time trying to be intentional and authentic with their pitches are not the ones that you and I are receiving. And we can definitely chat about that as we dig into the content. But I got into this because I had a previous business, like so many of us, you know, we had a different business other than the one that we've ultimately landed on. And I was able to see some really good traction after I started pitching myself for visibility opportunities, both local media, being on other folks' podcasts. And I constantly had friends in the business space asking, well, how did you land that interview or how did you get on TV? And my answer was always, well, I just asked. You know, I reached out and I came up with a compelling topic and asked. And so soon I recognized that this piece of me that I thought everyone loved about business, right? I thought everyone loved pitching and connecting with other folks and reaching out was actually something that a lot of business owners struggled with. And so I leaned into that since it was clear it was a gift. That was back in 2017, I guess. I pivoted and I have been in this space of pitching clients ever since. And it's just kind of grown from there. 
Oh, that's fantastic. And I think especially hearing your story about how you ended up doing this is so encouraging. Right now, I know there's like a lot of people doing, you know, either corporate to online business moves or just, you know, transitioning what kind of online business they were doing a year ago into something new right now. So hearing someone's successful story about how they leaned into their strengths and found an opportunity in the marketplace and made it work is really nice. Yeah, it's so I feel like I continue to do that because as a business owner, you know, those areas of your business that you're constantly kind of coming up against thinking, "Mm, I just don't know if this is quite right. It doesn't feel right. It no longer feels easy. I mean, within the realm of owning and running a business, but those are always indicators to me that it's time to kind of reassess either the business model or something within the business that I need to kind of tweak and optimize to make it more in alignment with my gifts and what I feel, you know, compelled to kind of run and also share with the world. So when you're talking about, you know, things that you want to share with the world, I think that's probably where most of us come from when we decide it's time for us to start spreading our message and being guests on podcasts. But I know that a lot of people come at it from a wrong way. And again, I know this from the things I've received in my inbox. But I've always heard, and I think we all were you know, taught this growing up, that no question's a bad question. But I, I don't think that's true. I, I do think there are bad questions out there, especially as it relates to this particular topic. And the reason I say that is because I've had people who just you know send out an email and say, you should have me on your show, and they give no context and all of that. And I, I do think that you can do damage to your brand by doing this. Absolutely. And I feel like I learned that early on. And then especially when I launched my own podcast, the Go Pitch Yourself show, getting pitched to have folks be a guest on my show, it was really alarming. And I also have friends who send bad pitches to me just because of the niche that I'm in. They'll forward it and be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I received this pitch. And sometimes when I dig deeper and look at who sent the pitch, Sometimes it's another agency or a third party who is sending a pitch on behalf of a business. And in that case, it makes me think twice, both about the business owner that is being pitched, but also about the agency that's doing the pitching. So I feel like any sort of outreach you make on behalf of your business needs to be considered a part of your brand because it is reflective of who you are and how you do business. And if you go into a pitch email, as an example, really aggressive and with sort of an attitude of you would be lucky to have me as a guest on your show, I don't know that that is really the brand voice that we would typically want to portray to potential collaborators. Absolutely. And then again, from my personal experience, Well, there's, I guess, a couple different kinds of situations here, but there are the personal pitches I get and they're just wrong. And, you know, we can gracefully decline that. No big deal. Right. But then there's the mass pitches where I get an email and it's like, dear, no, like and trust show. And I'm like, cool. You should have some sort of like filter in your data aggregation that makes it very clear this isn't a person's <laughs> name. It's not that hard. Or I'll get things to dear say hi, because my email address is say hi at brittanygardner.com. And I don't even read them. I delete them. Because if, if you're not going to take a few minutes to personalize, why should I even consider? Well, and when the the intro, like that greeting of the email is 
robotic. I actually have it in my Instagram handle, a hater of robotic pitches. But when you see that, you know that nothing else in that email is going to be specific to you, your show, or your audience's needs. It's just a boilerplate email that's going out to as many people as they can find with the hopes that something will stick. It's like throwing spaghetti, you know, up against a wall and seeing which pieces stick. So yes, there's so many different pieces within a pitch that needs to be personalized, but if you can't even get that first part correct, it's not worthy of your time really to kind of read it and go deeper because you have your answer. Absolutely. All right. So now that we've covered my pet peeves, What are the key things that you recommend to your clients when putting together a pitch that is going to show their brand off in a great way and also be of benefit to both parties? Yeah, I think that is the key right there, benefit to both parties. And some people, I think they struggle with pitching because they don't do any strategic work on the front end to really identify where it would make sense for them to show up in front of certain audiences. So we've all done the ideal client exercises to where we recognize who it is we're trying to serve and how. Well, you need to expand that to where are those people showing up and listening to podcasts, right? What types of shows are they listening to? What types of information are they trying to gain that is different than the expertise that I offer? So We work with clients and students in my program on identifying complementary business owners rather than competitive, because a lot of times I will see folks, and I actually had a strategy call with someone yesterday, and she was trying to pitch the types of business that she actually had, right? And so that's really not going to benefit both parties because it's kind of you showing up and saying, hey, I do the same thing that you do. Would it be cool if you introduced me to your audience? And that's never a good fit. So I think the first piece of it is recognizing who are the complementary business owners. I call that the tipping point. When you look at your ideal client or the types of people that you want to serve, What's the tipping point of when they are looking to hire you and at that point in their business life, as an example, if it's a business, who else are they looking to for help? So for me, a lot of times if folks are looking to start a podcast, that's a great complimentary audience for me to show up in front of because typically there could be a host of that podcast teaching them about how to start a podcast, how to grow it, how to launch it. But I could come on as a guest expert and show how they could get on other podcasts to expand their audience reach and to grow their downloads. So the first part is the strategy and recognizing the best places for you to pitch yourself to in general terms, not like digging into Apple podcasts quite yet. That's the first piece really is the strategy. And then the other place that folks actually struggle with is personalizing the topic that they pitch. Similar to the emails that you mentioned, folks will just take either one specific topic and shoot it out to lots of different folks with no editing or tweaking or clarifying how it's going to benefit that audience. That's a problem. You actually, in your pitch, need to connect the dots for the podcast host. I always say, We need to be doing all the work as the people that are sending the pitches. It should be really easy for that host to read the email and decide if it's a good fit or if it's not a good fit. So connecting the dots is super important. And on the flip side of that, I have gotten pitches, and I'm sure you have too, 
that say, hey, I think I might be a great guest for your show. Here are five different topics I could talk about. And again, it's leaving the work up to the podcast host. And we are all, in general, busy and don't have the time to really figure out how you fit into our content calendar. So it's really connecting the dots and being very clear about how your expertise is relevant to their audience. You know, it's so funny because I teach brand strategy to my clients. And what you just said, if you take out the word podcast and you insert anything else that I teach, it's almost verbatim. It's hard to say that it's such a general thing, but it's really, you know, you're always playing to the author, or I used this example in a social media post recently, which is why I just said it that way. But, you know, if you play, you know, cards against humanity or apples to apples, if you want the PG version, of course, you know, you're playing to the dealer, right? So, you know, if my dad loves Batman, which he does, and, you know, I get the, the Batman card in my hand, it doesn't matter what topic card he puts out, whoever puts Batman down, they win just automatically. And, It's figuring out what Batman is for the podcast host. What topic is going to be so great for them to share with their audience? And yeah, it requires a little bit of work to figure that out. Like you said, the beauty of it is if you can figure it out, you can apply it to a lot of different avenues. I mean, we've got folks that are in the program that I run who have taken just the approach of pitching that we just talked about, right? Finding the complimentary business owners and clearly explaining to them how you can serve their audience and also leaving it up to them to make that decision. I think that's another challenge in the tone piece of pitches that we get that it never, a lot of times the pitches I receive, they don't really give me an out. You know, they don't acknowledge that this is sort of my baby and that I determine the content plan for it, but that's a whole different conversation but they've been able to use sort of the pitch template that they've come up with and get sponsorships for their own business. They've been offered, you know, to write a sponsored post for some other brand. So different brand collaborations, also being on YouTube interviews, you know, like you can take the bones of any sort of visibility outreach and apply it to a ton of different types of mediums. So I'm actually curious about what you just said. I mean, you definitely give us the caveat that it's a whole different topic, but the whole giving somebody an out thing, what did you mean by that? So my background is sales in the corporate space. I was in sales for like 10 years. And a lot of times there's always this teaching of giving a really hard close and being not including any language that could allow the person that you're, quote, selling to, to choose something else. The way though that I approach pitching is I see it as, hey, I have an idea. I think this person might be a really good fit for your show. Here's a couple of ideas that might work. So you always use this language of not assuming that you know the direction of the podcast in the future, because I mean, you and I both know, I mean, I have a plan for who I want to bring on my show and the topics that I want to cover. And when you use language that doesn't show that you recognize that or that, you know, you're not just going in hot and aggressive, to be quite honest, then it allows the host to kind of take almost like an audible breath and relax and read the topic that you're suggesting and kind of mull over if it could be a good fit. 
when folks use language that's very assumptive or presumptive in nature, like just assuming that this person is a good fit, the host almost reads it with their defenses up, right? Like you're basically saying, hey, I know more about your show and who would be a good guest on it than you do. Here's who I am. Here's what I offer. You'd be crazy not to host me. Whereas I just prefer to give the host the option to say no if they don't think it's a good fit. And we use that language in some of our pitches. Would love to know if you think this would be a good fit. Oh, okay. I gotcha. Which takes it again out of that camp of, hey, I'd be a great guest for your show. It's being way less arrogant or assumptive, as you said, and putting the ball in their court, but giving them that control and ideas at the same time. Yeah, you're actually just introducing yourself to this person. I mean, you would never begin a friendship in real life with that assumptive nature. So why would we do it in an email? And I've had people before, even folks that have come on my team, and they're so used to not including the words like might or this could work out or I would love to know your thoughts. They're just not used to that because that's not what's kind of being thrown at us when we're talking about closing sales, you know, so it's a different shift, but I feel like it opens doors for us where people might say, Hey, this actually isn't a good fit right now. I so though appreciate the thought that you put into this. Why don't you circle back with us in Q3 as an example? All right. So When someone is looking for complimentary businesses and services and whatnot, let's say that they've found a couple good niches that they think they would actually be of benefit to. And now it's time to actually find shows and podcasts within that realm. What's the best way to go about this without having to, oh, I don't know, binge 40 different podcasts all at the same time? I know. It's like the black hole of searching. So there's a couple of different ways. I first recommend almost setting a timer. So if you're going in and you have a couple of complimentary business owners or a couple of niches that you think would be a good fit, I say definitely determine how much time you want to spend on finding these shows and come up with a goal, right? So I'm going to spend an hour searching. I want to find four shows that I think could be a good fit for me. That always helps because if you're 40 minutes in and you haven't landed on one, then you know you need to pick up the pace. So we do use Apple Podcasts as a search engine. I really love the ability to find a show that you feel like is a good fit and you can scroll to the bottom and get recommendations of what the listeners also subscribed to. So likely if you are pitching yourself for a show, you can sometimes come up, you are already familiar with a show that might be a good fit. And so if that's the case, then you can definitely look that up in Apple Podcasts and then look at some of those listeners also subscribed to searches. You can also just use their search feature, right? So we're really big on picking specific niches. So for me, If I wanted to get on shows that were talking to folks that were looking to launch and grow a podcast, I could use the search bar and put in start a podcast, how to start a podcast, and see what comes back and start vetting the shows as they pop up that way. There's other ways that you can do it. I mean, most folks know someone in their network that is a podcast host, and if they are a good fit based on you doing sort of the pre-work It's not outside of the realm of normal to reach out to them and ask, hey, do you know anyone who might be a host that's open to having me or someone like me with this level of expertise on your show? 
So you can search on any of the platforms like Apple Podcasts. And then it's also pulling what we call that low-hanging fruit from your network because likely you have people in your own network that host shows or have been a guest on shows or know folks in the podcasting space. All right. So let's talk about maybe one of the best pitches that you've ever received. We already gave a few of my pet peeves. I want to give the opposite side here. Well, and this is one that was far less formal. And I think you really just have to, again, it goes along with branding, right? If you know someone, you're not going to send them a really formal pitch the way that you would if you didn't know a host at all. So I actually got a pitch from a student of mine. So she was in the Go Pitch Yourself program. And she sent me, it was basically, it was at the beginning of the stay at home orders to when COVID hit and we're all at home and she really specializes in helping parents kind of navigate parenthood. She has a specific niche in the adoption space and like blended families, but she also hosts her own show and has done that for years with homeschooling some of her children. And so she actually sent me an informal pitch, but it was so clear as to, Hey, One, I'm taking your advice. You are my low-hanging fruit. And I was like, oh, okay, I appreciate that, you know, using what I've taught. And she said, I think your listeners right now might appreciate a conversation around how to be a podcast guest when your whole family is home and putting out some really tactical tips for how to do that. And it was something I would have never thought about. I would have never considered bringing her or anyone to talk about that on my show But it so connected the dots with what my listeners were probably struggling with and with what she could offer. That's the best one I've received so far. I love that. For me, as both a host and a guest, it was definitely something I struggled with that first month. Like I used to schedule all my guests on the same day of the week because that was the day I had a babysitter and my little one was out of the house all day and I lost that ability. So then I only had you know, nap time as an option. I'm still kind of in that boat as my interview time. And it's definitely been a struggle. And there's been some interesting reschedules that both I and my guests have had along the way. And and the beauty is we all have a little more grace with each other given the current circumstances. But that was a great topic. Right. And actually, a lot of what we talked about in the beginning of it kind of talked to the moms in the audience who it was like she could almost see inside of our heads. You know, there's definitely moments in the middle of this where I thought, what am I doing? How can I think I can run a business with my children home and trying to, you know, educate them a little bit? And she really pointed out sort of the higher level, like take a higher view of what you're doing right now and how important it is for you to show your kids that you can do this and that the work that you're putting out in the world is valuable. So it took a really different twist, but I so appreciated it. I think my audience did too. Well, I know that you have a guide that you offer people. I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I created probably the end of last year. It's a roadmap for podcast pitching success because what I found, it's similar to the questions that you asked, is that people would almost go all in on searching, right? Before they ever created their strategy or identified the types of topics that might resonate with their ideal client and podcast hosts. And so I wanted to kind of detail our stepwise approach and sort of the one through six steps that we take when we pitch clients. And a lot of that does fall 
into the strategy space. So it's a roadmap that shows you the steps to take, kind of the framework for creating your pitching strategy. And it includes five of the most common mistakes that we see and how to avoid those. So your listeners are welcome to grab that. It's on my website at angietrueblood.com slash KLT for know, like, and trust. Thank you so much. And I really appreciate all the input that you've given us today. Yeah, I hope it was helpful. It was great also to kind of get your insight too as a host. All right, Angie, thank you once again for coming on to the Know, Like, and Trust show. It was a really great conversation. I'm so excited to share all this information with the audience and friends out there. Listen to what she's saying. I actually have downloaded her roadmap. I did it about a month or two ago, and it's a really great tool. If you are looking into pitching yourself on podcasts, please follow the advice that she is giving in it. Again, you can find that at angietrueblood.com forward slash KLT. Thank you.